Welcome to Board Chili Podcast. I'm Vera. 100 Hall Ones is first series of Board Chili Podcast. We'll have 100 apes from all over the world share their ape stories, talking about their projects and fun, or give unique perspectives on working the Web3. Today, we have a true industry leader, innovator, and an ape with us, Justin Waldron. For those who may not know, Justin is a serial entrepreneur. And a well-known figure in the game industry, he's a co-founder of massively popular game company Zynga, and the creator of game of Farvale and Cityvale. But today, we're talking about his latest venture, Storyverse, revolutionary platform for Web3 storytelling. Justin will share his thoughts on the future of Web3 storytelling and how it can change the way we create and consume stories. Welcome, Justin. Hey, Vera. How's it going? Good, good. Thank you for coming, and it's so amazing to see that you're joining the ape community, also the Web three. And so, how did that happen? And what's your ape story? It's a great question. Yeah, for me, look. In the past, I worked on these games where really the way that people played was by buying items, virtual items inside the game. And so, when NFTs first really started to get going, I had a lot of people messaging me saying, "Hey, this is like people buying stuff in Farmville. You should check this out." And at that time, it was really just the very, very beginnings of the NFT community. We're talking about like CryptoKitties and CryptoPunks,、uh, and of course, I wish I, I bought a lot more of those. But what I did do was I ended up meeting the people who were building these projects, and so I started helping the team. And I'm an advisor at Dapper Labs, who built CryptoKitties, and then worked on、uh, NBA Top Shot and all that stuff. And then I met the team that did the first NFT presale for a game, Immutable. When they were doing Gods Unchained, and so I was helping them with game stuff, and I've been advising them. And ultimately, basically, I got to learn from all these awesome teams who were building the earliest NFT projects, and help them along on, on how to make good games and how to think about my sort of previous experience and how it might apply to what's happening on the NFT side. And so, I was lucky to get involved and work with a lot of really great people from the beginning. And when I saw the PFP space starting to take off, I got really excited because. I felt I spent so much time on these games where we think a lot about characters and how they make people feel and like what it takes to make a great character. And it, you put so much work in a game; it takes a year or two years to make, and it's hard to know how people are going to receive the characters. And there's so many pieces you have to get right. And so, what I thought was so cool about the PFP space and apes in particular is like you're building a brand、uh, backwards. And when I saw that, I just thought it was the coolest idea to be able to start with. The brand and the characters, and then figure out the rest later, because that's something that's never really been possible before. So, yeah, when I saw it, I aped in. <laughs> I love it. I love.、It. I love to see like more and more very successful Web two founders that come into the Web three. And with what you say, you've been participating a lot of Web three project as well. So, before we go too far from the Web three part of the conversation, could you share with us some insight of the developments and the growth of Farmville? That how did it become such a phenomenal? And what were some of the biggest challenges that you faced during this development and growth? Yeah, so with Farmville, we really caught lightning in a bottle. I think at that time, there were a lot of things that were special about what we were doing. The first was that we created a new business model for games, and so basically, before Farmville and before these social games, the business model for games was you pay up front, you pay fifty dollars up front for a game, you don't know what you're getting, and many times you're just disappointed. So you bought a game for fifty dollars, and it wasn't as good as you thought it would be, but you can't get your money back. And sometimes you have to buy three or four or five games before you you get one you really like, and of course there's like sites where you can go check reviews for games and everything like that. But really, like you had to invest a lot of money upfront without knowing what you were getting, 
And if you didn't like it, you couldn't get that money back. And so we started to think about like, how should games work on the internet? The other services we use on the internet, they're free upfront and you pay when you want something else. And so we started thinking about how did that, how would that work for games? And it's crazy because like at this time, no one had done anything like that before. And to give you an idea that there was no Stripe, there's none of these services to, to process payments. And the first payment processor we worked with, uh, they actually were a payment processor for like adult websites. Okay. So there was no way to integrate virtual currency or goods because it didn't exist yet. And so when we wanted to add these features in our games, we had to work with a, a credit card processor that was for adult content because that was the only place on the internet where people were spending money in this way that wasn't for e-commerce. And so basically we've tested our way in, into creating this new business model through the games we released where we figured out a way to make it free and easy to play. And then you pay only when you like the game and when you enjoy it. Uh, and then with Farmville, we really took the couple of years of learning that we had before that. We had many successful games before that. So we built the largest free poker game on the internet. We built a virtual world that was 7 million people were playing every day. It was the biggest virtual world in the world. And so Farmville was this moment that we had where it was like absolutely huge, but it was the learnings that we had from the two years before that let us get there. And the insight was simple. It was basically like people want an easy way to be creative, to express themselves with very little work and show that off to their friends. And then also spend time in a virtual space with their friends very easily. And it was just the easiest way to do that at the time. And when it really started growing, basically we got to the point where 40 million people were playing a day at one point. And that was like almost every single person on Facebook. And so it's hard to understand the size of this, but like Facebook was really only mainly in the US at that time and not in that many other countries. We haven't really had a game since Farmville, I think, that's gotten to that many daily active players. I'm not sure what Fortnite is at now, but for the percentage of people who could even play, which was way, way, you know, the amount of people who were connected and online in 2009 was way smaller. It was basically wow. everybody was playing this game is the right way to think about it. And it was obviously, it was amazing to be part of the teams who, who worked on that. And it was like a really cool experience. And honestly, it's, it set the stage for what we're seeing in mobile games today, where this whole business model of virtual goods is now like the standard way that, that people expect to, to pay for and play games. Wow, that's so impressive. Like I have never heard that number. I did not know that data behind it, but that's super impressive. I've never played it, but there is actually a Chinese version of it. And um, I played when I was younger too. I think Tencent, they created something similar. I think inspired by you guys. And it's been, wow, 15 years, right? Yeah, about 15, 15 years. And we actually, we ended up partnering with Tencent to try to bring our games into the Chinese market for a while. And it's, it was very difficult to yeah. create a good partnership with Tencent, but, it, but I learned a lot about working with Tencent for sure. And we also had the, we, we also brought our stuff into Japan and we did a joint venture with SoftBank. So it was cool. Wow. I got to work on all sorts of stuff and I learned a lot. Wow. Yeah, that's crazy. And I see like the market really rewards like the creative companies that because you guys are actually changed the way of gaming and social as well. I think that in like the blockchain technology is trying to solve the similar problem and they want to put the payment on chain and then like the game can play. How do you see the blockchain technology playing in the future of the game industry? What do you think it will change the way that we play and, and we pay for the game? Yeah, games are such an interesting thing because they really are like a different form of art. And not everybody would agree with me on that, but it's basically the same as interactive art. 
And of course, like if you make a game, that's just a great experience. You can have a lot of people enjoy it, but if it doesn't make money, you'll never be able to get as many people to use it. And so the big lesson I had is like, you want to make something that everyone can enjoy and that can delight a lot of people. It's not enough to just make something really cool. You also have to find a way to have it make enough money so that you can use that money to promote it. So more people can experience it. And so I realized that the business model for these things, it really matters. Even if you just care about making something that people love and enjoy, if you want as many people to love and enjoy it as possible, you also have to figure out how to make it make enough money so that you can go and do that and you can expand the team and expand marketing and everything else. And so what I really love doing is basically trying to figure out how can blockchain bring really cool experiences to more people. And I think that like the technology, just like we figured out a new business model with freemium games on mobile, that blockchain will be a way to expand the different types of ways people can make money making games. Mm -hmm. We'll be able to bring more new interesting experiences that surprise and delight people in, in, in more places. And so for me, ultimately, like more tools in the toolkit is a good thing. And I think that new content will come about because what we're seeing with blockchain is that there's new opportunities from this technology. And that's really one of the things that got us focused on Storyverse was this idea that the IP um, mm -hmm. or the characters that people hold, that they have the commercial rights to could be part of these games. This is like actually a brand new concept that you couldn't build without the blockchain. It's, it would never be possible to have these IP holders, these character holders prove that they own these characters and the rights to them and have that all happen permissionlessly. It's something that was never possible before. So we got really excited about that. Oh, wow. Yes, that's so true. Because I feel like for the IP owners that they wanted to find other ways for their IP to grow. The Storyverse, we're going to get more into the Storyverse later, but the Storyverse is trying to create a platform for the IPs that be able to promote their the IP and be part of the other games and other ecosystem as well. And I think that's an amazing idea. I'm super looking forward to have my IP in there too. Since we mentioned a little bit about the Storyverse and then let's talk a little bit about like the Web3 storytelling. So do you mind to share what the Storyverse is and how does that differ than the traditional form of storytelling? Storyverse is a place where collectible stories are made. What is a collectible story? There's a lot of projects that are telling stories on their Twitter account and in, in, in their Discord, and people are really excited about the lore of these characters, but it's not collectible. And so what makes something collectible? People want to collect it and trade it. And so what we're really doing is solving this problem of how do we take someone who's a really talented writer, an author that maybe has made amazing screenplays for movies that you may have heard of, or they've written great books, and then enable them to go create really great story content with the IP that everybody loves in Web3 already. It's challenging because right now, some of these writers, like they want to create an NFT collection, but it's very hard to convince people to buy an NFT where they just write text in an image, right? It's not interesting if someone writes a story and it's just text inside of an image. And so it's been hard for them to stand out next to all this amazing art and these animations and videos that, that we're used to seeing with NFT projects. And so if you think about OpenSea, it's so focused on the visual content. And so we had to figure out how do we solve a way for uh, these writers to create such visual, interesting content so that when people discovered on OpenSea, it looks amazing next to all the other art 
that they're seeing and maybe even more interesting, something that they want to check out even more. That required building technology to essentially make writers able to a tool where they can take the IP, it's animated, like the Bored Apes, they're animated, and they can create these interactive stories where they're basically like a modern version of comic books. And we've learned from comic books that comic books are very collectible, right? Like people fall in love with the characters, they fall in love with different storylines and different casts, and they want to support the authors behind them. And so by taking these great storytellers and giving them the ability to make their own collections with the IP that people care about, we can make something that's truly collectible. And the way I think about it is you've seen with art, basically, just like we figured out with Zynga, a way to bring games online in a way where games could finally be on the web and have a native internet business model. We've seen that art finally has a native internet business model. And so blockchain took art and for 30 years, the internet was around and artists could not make money online. And then blockchain happened. And now every artist can make a collection and they have a lot of options for how they do it, but this wasn't possible before. And so if you think about it that way, what happened when games found a native internet business model? Well, sure, Zynga was a huge company, became a $13 billion game company from it, but it birthed an entire industry. There's $120 billion a year that are spent in games now. And it's all because of that business model. It grew every year for 14 years after we started it. And so now you're looking at something like art and some people say, wow, there's so much money in blockchain. Is it a bubble? But think about it. Like there's this entire creative class of people who have never been able to make any money on the internet with their skills. And now they can. So we're just getting started. This is going to go for, for the next 10 years, like the amount of growth we're going to see in an entire new creative class of people being able to make money online. It's just the beginnings of it. So that is exciting. But the question is who else needs to be brought into this new economy? And for us, like we think it's authors. We think if authors can find a way to make collections like artists, that's going to bring the next bull wave in this in blockchain. Basically, like what we saw over the last couple of years is artists drove all this adoption of blockchain because people wanted to share their work, collect their work um, and be a part of their communities. And we think that if we can solve that problem for writers, it could be absolutely huge. It could be the amount of people will get onboarded as creators onto the blockchain could be just as big, if not bigger than artists. There's just a ton of these people. They all want to make collections and it's too hard for them to make something right now that really fits the space. And so we're looking to build the tools for them to do it. And we're really excited to be partnering with some people. We think a lot of people in the space will want to collect. Yeah, I really like what you said. This whole NFT or Web3 is creating a new form of way of creator economy. And we see that how fast TikTok has grown for content creators. And this whole blockchain technology is bringing it to the next level of all creators. That includes the writers, the music industry. And we're trying to remove that middleman that be able to let the artists directly get paid and also being be seen because we only see the big IPs that shows on the film, shows in the movies, but there are a lot of more writers that don't even have an opportunity to turn their work and to show their work to us. So I really like this idea of that way you're building. And we see there are different ways of approaching the mass adoption as well. A lot of people are doing from like working with the big web two companies and trying to collaborate or big web two IPs that come into the web three and trying to introduce introducing their brand into the web three. And there are a lot that Web3 companies that like Yuga, they're trying to build a big brand themselves. And then potentially in the future, they can work with the 
bigger IPs. Are you guys willing to work with the smaller IPs in the Web3 or you want to work with the bigger IP? And what kind of approach will that be? Yeah, we've been in the space for a while and we're excited about the IP that people are excited about in this space. Board Apes were at the top of the list and we've heard from the holders that they're excited about doing more with the characters that they own. And what we've seen is basically that they've had these rights for a while now and that it's pretty tough to do something interesting with it, right? You can start a burger shop or make a beer company or whatever, but, and there's some people doing some really cool stuff. I don't mean to say that it's not interesting. It, it is, it's just, it's a lot of work and you need to have some business where you can attach it. And I think what's been missing from this equation is what makes these characters great is that they are like, they're great characters and they could be part of stories. If you think about it, like the biggest IP in the world, it all comes back to solid storytelling. How do we make the apes relevant for the next 10 years? They need to have stories associated with them. That's how people remember and fall in love with these, this type of character. And so for us, it's such an obvious thing that we have to go and figure out how to solve. And if you think about it, like Spider-Man was a character that was in comic books, right? And the comic books are what made people fall in love with Spider-Man. And eventually that led to movies and everything else. But if there were no comic books, there wouldn't be that love for Spider-Man. And so now what we're trying to figure out is like, how do we go and create that opportunity for all these different great IPs on chain? We'll start with the apes. We're really excited about getting some other communities involved too. I think there are some ones that will be a great fit. And like a lot of the authors we're working with, they're excited about like different projects too. So you can expect like a lot of the blue chip projects to make their way in over time. But we're very focused on apes at the moment because we really just have to solve this problem. Of how do we make it like writers make an awesome collection where they can earn money? And then the IP holders, the apes that are inside these stories and more broadly, the people who have that were putting their ape up for use by these great authors that everybody gets rewarded by getting royalties from these collections. We just think that's super cool. Like the, the fact that great writers can go create collections with these characters and then everybody gets some share, everybody that has a character pass and has their board ape in the storyverse can get a share of the royalties is like a super native web three thing. Mm-hmm. And so to answer your question about which IPs we work with, right now we really wanna work with like the most native engaged communities in web three, right? So. Yeah, there's probably a lot of really interesting Web2 IP that will come online eventually. But right now, we're super excited about the people who really get this. And they're like, I do want royalties. I do want my character in collections. I understand why this is so powerful. And so we'll start with the people who are in the communities that are the most native in this space. And obviously, that's why we're starting with the apes. Yeah, I really like that Justin was so like down to the Web3 experiment. Like you're part of my my community that kind of like getting in their day-to-day experience, the Web3 com- native community. And Justin is super open-minded as well. He has a lot of good questions and then, I, I know like he spent a lot of time doing research and trying to learn this, this kind of like a new form of community, right? It's a little bit different than the token communities that we had in the crypto. And it's also a little bit different than the Web2 communities as well. And I see Justin's passion in it. So we have spoken about the community-driven storytelling. So can you explain the role of the community in storytelling process on the platform and how does the platform enable the community to shape and influence the stories that are created and shared on the platform? Yeah, so basically, you right now, if you hold an ape, you can go get in a whitelist spot We're going to be doing a mint this week. So maybe by the time this airs, we'll be doing the mint. Okay. There's a mint for a free NFT 
that's called the Board Apes Character Pass. And what this does is it helps you put your Board Ape into stories on Storyverse. Um, that means that your character, your ape that right now is this PFP image becomes this fully animated character with an entire body and can do all sorts of really cool sort of animations. And then storytellers can use that tool to create content with your ape. And when it comes to creating content with your ape, some of these authors are going to create collections where they cast your ape and they're going to make an amazing story and they're going to promote it. And, uh, and you'll see royalties potentially from when people are trading these stories with your ape in it. And so that's really exciting. And then the one extra thing is that even if your ape wasn't used, we actually set aside some of the royalties for all of the char character pass holders. So I'll give you an example. If there's five apes in a story, then those five apes, they get a larger share of the royalties that go to IP holders. Uh, but all of the apes that weren't used, that were available for the author to use, they also get divided amongst them another part of the royalties. And what's really cool about that is every ape who has a character pass and has their ape available for writers to use will receive some smaller royalties on every sort of collect every single collectible story that gets published at that mm -hmm. time. And that's really cool because of course the apes that are in it should, should get more of the royalties because they're the apes that star in the story. But we also know that you offering up your IP for use by these writers is something we want to also reward you for. And so just by making it possible for the writers to use your ape and owning a character pass, you'll get a, a cut of these, the royalties associated with any board ape story. And so what does that do? I think it creates like a ton of support for these writers where we want to see them succeed. Right. You, right. It, there's a community that's like excited about these collections coming out. And what we've heard from writers is they want to make all sorts of different types of stories about many different types of apes. And there's a lot of stories to be told. So this isn't a project where we're saying like, okay, there's one true lore for board apes and we have to figure out what it is. This is a lot more like the early days of comic books where some crazy author, he was writing the Spider-Man comic and it was like his job to do it that week. And he came up with a new bad guy and people love that new bad guy so much that it turns out they just started a whole new comic series with just that bad guy being the main character or something. That's what we would see would happen a lot in comic books is very organic. It's like people didn't like these new characters that were in this issue. And so they never talked about them again. Everyone loves the characters in this issue. And so then suddenly they create a whole new set of comic books on just those characters. And so what I think is going to happen is people are going to try a lot of different things. Um, with these characters. And there may be romance stories about chasing Chili, who knows, but there'll be a lot of different content. And then what will happen is like some of these characters will really start to take shape. And the more they take shape, then the more they become like the Spider-Man. Spider-Man first issue didn't start off as Spider-Man is this guy and here's his entire backstory and we all love him already. It was the first story and people liked it. And then it kept getting bigger and bigger. And I think that like that'll happen is people will try a lot of different things. And then we'll start to see some characters really become like famous. And it's quite interesting because these royalties with these characters are attached to the ape, right? And so if someone wrote this story, like Chasing Chili, and it's this super popular story, and then it goes on to, to have royalties associated with it, then maybe if you trade Chili, the next person is now getting these royalties ongoing with that ape. And so it, it could create some really cool dynamics and just like how people think about how to value ape, right? So we're excited to see what they do. 
Yeah, I really like the idea that for the IP owners that be able to let other people create content and then you guys are functioning kind of like an agent, right, for the IPs because not everyone can create content. Not everyone is an artist. And then maybe we will see some music, some like celebrity ape music artist there as well. I'm super looking forward for what's going to be showing on the Storyverse. And I created a couple stories with Storyverse for Chinese New Year. I added a little bit of music and a voiceover and it was fun experience and I see a huge opportunities for creators to adopt it. So could you share some examples of the stories that you've been created or you've been seeing on the Storyverse and anything interesting behind it? Yeah, so we've had a lot of people who've been using our tools to <clears throat> create awesome content with their characters or with even with our PFPs. So we put a bunch of our NFTs in that we own and then we let other people use them. So we were like the first holder that was letting other people use their IP in many ways. And so we have Azuki's in there and Cryptodes and Cool Cats, all sorts of different projects. And people have been creating really interesting content. I think right now we make it super easy to export these videos and publish them to Twitter and a Discord and stuff like that. And naturally it's crypto Twitter. So people want to make memes. They want to make funny things related to these characters. And so there's been a lot of good content like that. Um, what we're seeing from authors is they want to do things like a bit more ambitious because obviously if they can make a story collection that can, can actually end up being an NFT collection where a lot of people want to collect it, they can really spend a lot more time than meme creation. They can really think about how am I going to make a longer term story here that a lot of people are going to fall in love with and collect. And so for us, we've had all this awesome stuff people have been making that's just focused on Twitter, but it'll probably end up being very different from the content that we um, work on with people who are like basically doing this professionally, right? They want to mm -hmm. make a real collection they work on full time because it's something that they can actually earn a living from doing it. And that's the thing that I'm really excited about. Like I mentioned how big of a deal is it that artists could actually go and sell their work on the internet. Writers don't have this opportunity. And I, I think that like when they do get it, we can see like, what can a writer do and how do they find a thousand true fans, which is the thing you hear about web three, right? So to your point about mass sort of market work, where there's like a movie or a book that sells millions and millions of copies, that's the way that the traditional publishing house model works. But what's really cool about the internet and these art communities is a lot of these artists just have a thousand true fans and a thousand true fans is enough to earn not only a living, but sometimes really great living. If you can have the right thousand true fans that want to support you in the right way, you can actually do fantastic. And so what we're seeing is that artists saw other people go and make these collections where they earned a million dollars or something like this. It's life-changing for them, but it's usually not because they've made something that, that a million people want. It's usually because they've made something that a thousand people love. Um, and so what I think is really cool about this is it like helps people find their community and their tribe and like the people that love the work they do. And I think there's so many different interesting types of stories to be told that there'll be like all sorts of different communities that can be formed. We know there's going to be people who just love mysteries um, and really don't want to read anything like romance related. And we know there's going to be people who are just love romance and don't want anything to do with a mystery. And then there's going to be a bunch of subcategories of writers who are writing different types of romances that appeal to completely different people. And so I think like for us, the important thing is to just let the authors do something they're passionate about. And we're just making tools and it's their collection. So almost all of the revenue from this goes to them. And then there's some set aside for us and there's some set aside for the IP holders, right? So we're really enabling them to make their own NFT collection in a way that they haven't been able to make one before. And so they're really interested in telling their story because to your point, Vera, you said like, 
in, in Hollywood, there's these movies that get made, but how many big movies get made every year? There's not that many. And with these storytellers, like how many good screenwriters are there with ideas? There's just, there's hundreds of thousands of these talented people who have to beg the executives at the movie studio to use their idea next year. And there's just not enough marketing and movie budget in theaters for these movies to be made. There's not enough Netflix movies being made for all the great stories to be told. And so what's really cool about the Web3 model is you have a way where like we can make it so uh, easy for those writers to bring their stories to life that they can tell every story. And even if it doesn't end up being the blockbuster that makes $100 million that year, and so it's, it wouldn't be interesting to the movie studio, it could be the story that makes a million dollars that year and is life-changing for that writer, right? And so that's like how many stories, great stories got written now that are, will never be told because of just the way the industry is, is set up. I just think they're everywhere. Um, and these writers, there's so many talented people that are just like looking for a way to finally do that. And that's what we've seen happen with art on the blockchain in the last mm -hmm. couple of years. The, there's a renaissance. There's a total digital renaissance of art. It can't be understated. It's like all these people who had no way to get paid doing what they're great at finally have a way to get paid doing what they're great at. And so we're seeing so much amazing art being made. Mm -hmm. And I think the same thing will happen to stories once we, we can help them get their own collections out. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And like Gordon is example of as a writer, I love Gordon. He's a very amazing writer. It doesn't mean that he will get the resources and they will be able to make his story into a big IP or anything. They may not have this opportunity, but he proved that he's a really amazing writer that creating this yuga kind of cultural and the story, including that we've been playing on the game. And it's like creating the story. And I really like what you said, like the creating a story is so important for not just building a company, building a piece of art and everything is like a story behind it. The communities are functioning like as the supporters and fans and then trying to push and uplifting this writer. It's like the community acting as a marketing team plus the business developing team and sometimes even acting as like testers to to test the product. And that's like totally different than the web too, right? They feel the owner of it. And then the company doesn't have to allocate that part of the budget. So the community is very important <laughs> in the Web3, right? Absolutely. And I think that's what makes it so powerful is these authors can get the cast members and their stories excited about what they're doing. And to your point on the marketing side, like you can imagine amazing writers reaching out to influencers and saying, hey, you know what? I'm thinking of using your ape. I saw you have a character pass. Like, do you want to work on this together? And is there a way for us to do something bigger here? And we're already seeing a lot of interest in people collaborating that way. Yeah. So I think it's going to create a lot of really interesting new partnerships in the space where a lot of even the people who have made their identity, their ape, who are open to like actually having a writer create some interesting content with it can be partnering with them and the promotion of it and make it even bigger. And so I think it's one of the cool things about Web3 is this idea that uh, it's like you just said it very well, which is you can do marketing or business development for some other project. The reality is we do own these things. And we have the incentive to, to work together to make each of them more valuable. And so it lets us just mash up who we're working with, depending on the project. And what's really cool about that is like, if we can make a tool that can facilitate more different types of people working together, like you said, you mentioned music, like someone pulls a music in a story and it's a music NFT with somebody who has the rights to own that. And then somebody pulls right. in the characters with somebody owns the rights to the characters. And then some of those characters happen to be people who can market the story very well on Twitter. 
and the writer needs support with that. It's, it's a very natural way for people to be forming teams around projects where everybody is incentivized around the same sort of goal of succeeding. And so I just think that that wasn't possible before this technology. And so it, it right. really is something that I think I'm looking forward to seeing what people do with it. Yeah, earlier when NFT just first started and people thought it's all about art, but the reality was actually really about the culture groups and then the way that they group the people that who are interested in a specific culture, you know, that impacted by their background and the people gather together to create something. And it's like, you, you see the Azuki culture and then you see the BYC culture and it's very different. And with the story servers, it's dividing it to even smaller groups of different interests, like could be music, it could be horror stories or romantic stories, like growing even much deeper and bigger of that part of the culture. Yeah. Exactly. And if you look at what Yuga Labs just did with Dookie Dash, it's really cool, but it's not like necessarily inclusive because it just lets the holders of apes participate. And it's a really cool utility of being a holder. But if we want to grow these brands, we also need ways for more people to get involved. And so one of the really smart things Yuga has done is have Bored Apes and then Mutant Apes and Kennel Club. They've really expanded the people who can access the ecosystem, the brand, and the community. And so one of the things that we think is going to be interesting here is someone can write a great like romance story or a great horror story, great mystery story with some bored apes, and that can be collected by anyone, maybe a lot of people who love the bored apes, but they can't afford the bored apes. And so what you can end up seeing is like many more people having the ability to just participate and fall in love with these characters and become a part of the community uh, in a smaller way, right? I think that's like really great for PFP projects. And mm -hmm. I think it's going to drive a ton of growth toward them because storytelling is how you make something stick. And if someone writes great stories with these characters, it's going to really push these brands to the next level because that's the type of thing that like anyone can get excited about. So I think that's the next wave basically this year. If we, when we release collectible stories, which is starting very soon, by the way, I think what you're going to start to see is basically these stories could drive these collections that are behind them. The, not only the collectible stories can become valuable. But also the PFP projects behind them could see a new wave of growth now that they're able to produce this type of content um, because it hasn't been possible before. So like people have been working with animation studios to produce this content that takes months to produce and putting out videos on Twitter and stuff. But we haven't seen anyone really figure out how to solve creating these story collections where artists are free to go work with the people who own the IP and go and do this at scale. And there's mm -hmm. going to be so many ideas people try it'll probably lead to some that really get absolutely huge. And I just think that's going to create like a whole new wave of excitement. And all these people are saying, what are PFPs for? It's just signaling on your profile page on Twitter or something like this, that you own this and you have money or something. They're going to start, it's this whole decentralized IP idea is really going to start to click with them because it's going to be the first example of that really happening mm -hmm. at scale. And people often forget that, of course, these brands like famous IP it can be a huge business, um, but almost all the money in that business is made in entertainment. So like you go look at characters, Pokemon, or any of the top IPs that have, they earn most of the revenue through entertainment. It's being in stories and it's being in games. It's not going to be the coffee brand that really brings Bored Apes to the next level. It's important for us to spread the brand in as many ways as we can. But if we can figure out a way to bring these characters to like the next wave of people who haven't started collecting yet. Um, mm -hmm. like it's going to be through putting them in entertainment and really driving like awareness of what we're doing through that.
like with these stories that, that really speak to people. And so I think if we get it right, it's just going to be like a whole new chapter for PFP. So we're very excited about it. Yeah, I'm super excited. When your team reached me out talking about this Storyverse, I got really excited. And I know other projects that are doing similar storytelling project as well. Like A16Z has invested a couple. One of my co-hosts of this podcast, he is actually a co-founder of a storytelling project, Shibuya. I don't know if you heard of it, that A16Z yeah. invested with oh, it's, the people. It, it's, Shibuya is amazing. I think like they're working on this platform that these traditional animation studios really need, which is basically if you are a traditional animation studio and you want to make a movie that takes a year to make, how do you fund that and build a community along the way? And so they're solving the problem of like, how do you get those true fans on board? Like when you just have a trailer before you enter production and have them be a part of the producing of the movie. And I think that's amazing. I think there's going to be some movies that we go to in theaters or on Netflix where like the producers involved were the people that were basically these holders who were part of helping make some decisions about how that movie was created. It's like a totally separate sort of problem from what we're solving, which is like, how do we help authors have NFT collections? And basically that means if an author had to work with an animation studio, then it becomes like too expensive and time consuming for them to do that. And so what we've done is create a tool that means these authors can work directly with the IP and create content more quickly and mm -hmm. by themselves. And so it's not going to look as beautiful as some of the animation stuff that they've done, which is, looks like Studio Ghibli, but it also won't take a month to make one minute of video. And so there's going to be space for both things, which is feature films are not going away. But what we're doing is not helping people make feature films. We're helping people make comic books, digital comic books. So comic books are collectible, they're bite-sized, and an issue comes out every month. And that's what made them so powerful. So it didn't take two years for the next Spider-Man to come out. It takes two years for a Spider-Man movie to come out, but it took one month for the next Spider-Man comic book issue to come out. And the way they get constant engagement with people and make it very collectible is to have these issues come out very regularly. We're trying to solve that for that equation, which is like, how do writers get to make this sort of new digital comic book? And how do we bring writers on chain, just collectibles, collectible stories or comic books have succeeded in the past. We've seen the same with art blocks. So one of the things we think is really interesting is Artblocks is actually a platform. And, and a lot of people don't really think about it that way. They think about something like Tyler Hobbs has Fidenzas and they think it's beautiful and they think it's really cool. And the artist behind it is, is interesting, but the collection was built through the platform Artblocks and they enabled him to go and create this minting process that people like and the whole design of how the traits work and the sort of production of the thing. And what I like to say, what we're doing is it's just art blocks for stories. Basically, there were these generative artists that were all very talented um, and they could have just went and outputted their work and uploaded it as some images and made some collections. But art blocks figured a much more compelling way to do that. One that was fun to mint and trade and collect and formed larger communities. And so what we're doing is the same for storytellers, which is there's nothing stopping from some of these storytellers from creating a mint today where they just drop some text in something or they they go and work with like an artist to, to draw a comic book, but it's way too much work. And so these things never happen. And so mm -hmm. what we're doing, is like what art blocks did for generative artists, make it so easy that, for them to establish a collection and a community that they could succeed. We're just going to do the same thing for authors where using our platform means it's so much more interesting and easy to create content and stories that people want to collect that mm -hmm. they'll do it with us. 
to your perspective of art blocks, and then you guys are functioning as a art block for storytelling. And I think on top of that, you guys have much stronger community relationships as it is story driven. Art blocks is, from my perspective, it's just less story or like community role. And more collectors and this collector economy. I think it's more than <laughs> it is more than art blocks, and it's adding the community flavor in it as well. Yeah, very kind. Give us some time to succeed as much as art blocks, and then I'll and then I'll take the compliment. But look, <laughs> it really is. It could be as big, right? Because generative art is a huge thing, and I love generative art, and I've invested yeah. in some generative art projects and some funds that are focused on generative art. So I'm like a huge fan. But generative art is like probably not as big of a category as storytelling. Storytelling is like the single biggest category of entertainment there is. And it spans so many industries. Like if we could really figure it out, it's just enormous. So if we did everything right, and then hopefully in a couple of years, the art blocks analogy seems cute because storytelling is 10 or 100 times bigger than that. But right now I really look up to what they're doing and we just have to figure it out and succeed first before I can take any credit. Like the setup of what we're doing, but let's go make it happen. (laughs) Totally. So from a writer's perspective, I see that part of like things are going to happen. But then let's say I'm a character IP owner. So how can we actually protect individual IPs from the platform and also from other different platforms in the future in general, like the things that it doesn't really align with the IP owner's vision. So how can we prevent that? Totally. So the writers that we're bringing in originally to create these collections, it's totally curated. So like we've opened up our tool for everyone to play with and go and make memes with, but that doesn't give access to random people to make memes with your IP. It's not available for other people to use to make memes with. So you don't need to worry about someone like using your ape in in a way that you don't like on Twitter. And I think you're right. Like a lot of people really care about that. So we've been careful to make sure we design something that, that really works for holders. In terms of the writers, these are people that we've vetted directly. And they can't publish unless we all agree that it's something that's great. So like Mm -hmm. the first thing is we're not going to lose the trust of the apes holders or any of these communities, like the the projects we're doing for sure. Like we're going to make sure that there's nothing in there that the holders don't like. And I don't know if like, we'll ever open up story collections to be this type of thing where it's self-service and someone can just show up and create one because Mm -hmm. we really want to make sure they're high quality. And if you think about art blocks, it's not open. Like it's a curated platform. They work with these artists. They help explain to people why these artists are so interesting and amazing and what what makes their work great. And that's going to be part of our job is to help really make these authors stand out and shine and help people understand why these people are so interesting and why their work matters. And so from that perspective, like, I don't think we'll have problems with collections that are using characters in any ways that people really don't like because um, they won't get published. We're going to be working on that. That said, if you want your character in a story, like you, you get a character pass and if you don't, and then we will maybe let people turn it on and off and get some sort of approvals in the process. Mm-hmm. But we're expecting a lot of the people we've talked to, they just, they want to be cast. Right. And then right. the, in the authors, they, they want to work with these different characters that they're excited about. And so I, I think like we have the right setup to do it. Right. Main thing is when it comes to just having this tool out that people can create memes with, that's not something where they can use your character. It's only in these official story collections and we're going to make sure we work with good people and we'll figure out the right tools along the way to make sure everybody feels like comfortable with the way they're doing it. 
I see. Really, actually, that part of thoughts because most of us ape owners that we use it as our digital identity. I go to a party and I see a person, and the first thing that you know come to my head is their ape. I'm like, oh yeah, you look exactly like your ape. So definitely related to a personal level of reputation as well. I mean, like everyone wanted to grow their ape into something big, but also that they wanted to protect that they're. Their own reputation as well, so I really appreciate that thought, and then I want to tell all the apes that listening and willing to be part of it, and you don't have to have this part of a concern at all. They're doing an amazing job on that. Yeah, and by the way, you don't have to do any work. <laughs> so, right. I mean, you can show up, and you can get a free mint to get your character in, and then you can sit back and do absolutely nothing. And hopefully, some people use your ape, and even if they don't, by in exchange for offering your ape to be used in these stories, you will receive a small portion of royalties. Even if it's not casted, so that's just all free rewards, right? And we're excited about that. And I also think that maybe over time, what you'll see is that some of these characters get more popular, and that some holders might want to be part of the creation process and the promotion process and the marketing and the business development, everything else you mentioned. And so mm -hmm. we could see some really cool groups start to form, and maybe even some companies around,、um, just like art has grown and grown, and all sorts of interesting collaborations have happened. If we're really doing this correctly, then. Some people will want to go work with authors and go do bigger things, and I expect that to happen. And so maybe a lot of casting will start to be about how do we work together. In the beginning, it'll be simple, and maybe people will use some apes and write some great stories. But if some really start to take off, I could imagine people saying, "Look, if you cast my ape, here's what I'm going to do to help make this collection a success." So I could imagine it could get a lot more interesting over time. Yeah, it's like a partnership with the IP owner as well. It's very interesting. We've talked so much about the visions and the problems. So let's talk a little bit about the development team behind this storyverse and their experience in the Web three and blockchain. Yeah, myself, like I've been building game related companies for fifteen years or so. I founded、um, Zynga when I was nineteen. So I built our first game. It was a poker game, and it's still the largest free poker game on the internet. It's very big, and we had a lot of games that we built, and we helped design this business model. We brought back, and I'm working with some of the people from those days again. So one of the main GM in this project is somebody that I previously built the world's largest virtual world with. We had seven million daily players on this game called Yoville. It was absolutely huge, and now he's one of the lead people on this project. So it's been cool to get the band back together for me personally. There's some really cool people that are very experienced here, and we work together. We have fun working together, and and. And we know how to build things that that scale, and to me, it's a privilege. Like the, the more I work, the more interesting people I meet and problems I solve, the more people I get to pull into these new ideas and try to make them happen. And I'm excited too about what's about to happen on the community side because, as you pointed out, a big part of the team is going to be the community we build with holders. And what you're going to see over time is like these groups start to form that are super excited about this, who realize, wait a second. It's not just authors who have the opportunity to make these collections. This is a huge opportunity for me as an IP holder, and I want to go maybe go find my own author and like partner directly to build a big collection with them. And that was something that before maybe you wouldn't do because you would have to hire like an animation studio and work for months on this thing. But now, if you're an A holder and you're seeing these collections make money, you might be thinking, you know what? I have a friend of a friend who's this famous book author, and I'm going to pull them into Storyverse, and we're going to make something together. And I just think that like. Enabling that kind of opportunity for people now, IP holders get to also be part of this thing we've seen with artists over the years, where someone who's really passionate about managing their characters and their ape may actually turn this into a full-time job.、Um, and so, 
that's my hope is that we can basically, if we really succeed, it's about creating a team and a community that's much bigger than just the people who are behind building the project right now. That's exciting. I might be a singer <laughs> behind my aim. I actually, I actually sang with the story verse. I was trying with that for the Chinese New Year song. <laughs> and people like it. People love it. And then I don't think you guys having like the background music choice yet. I'm pretty sure that's part of your plan. And maybe voice over. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We're very excited about that. I think like for me, there's so many interesting music NFTs and artists in this space. And the more way we find ways to collaborate, I can imagine a future where you're pulling in a background in these stories from an amazing artist who has an awesome background they've given commercial rights to holders on and you're pulling in characters from the people who own the pfps and you're pulling in music from somebody who has a commercial rights to some song and everybody's getting paid royalties for being a part of like essentially the production and licensing on this content i think that's where it's headed we're just trying to get there yeah, I like it. And that might be really a use case for music NFTs as well. We see a lot of music NFTs that, you know, trying to find a way in the Web3. And we haven't really seen a very successful example compared to the PFPs. Might, that might be it, right? Might be we need some platform and they kind of functioning like the TikTok. We're going to have all the music goes viral and here and there. Everyone loves to listen. And a lot of music artists can get part of that royalty as well. Yeah, I think so. It needs to be easy to pull in these assets and these rights so that we can make this content, right? That's the problem right now is right now, a lot of people have thought about how do we make these licensing agreements happen? And the truth is they ha all happen offline. It's web two. Basically, right. you own the rights to this ape and then maybe you give someone the rights to do it, but then they go write a book. And when they go write a book, like how do they write the book? Um, they have to go deal with talent agency thing and do an offline contract with an author and it takes a year to make. Like, I think there's value in that, but what's really valuable is to do it all on chain. Let's figure out a way where we can make the content on chain. We don't need Netflix. Let's go figure out what the future of entertainment and collecting entertainment looks like. Um, mm -hmm. I think that's what this project is really about, which is like the artists that got on chain and succeeded, they didn't go beg Christie's to make them relevant. They just went and figured out how to make the revolution themselves. And then Christie's came begging to them, how do I get in on this? And if we really do it right, like that'll be the thing. We'll figure out how to make stories collectible and so collectible that then these other places, these web to entertainment venues and channels and people, they'll be coming in and these really huge authors will be coming to us asking us, how do we get in? This is amazing. We want to be involved in this. It's the opposite, right? And that's what art did. And that's what even art blocks achieved. And that's why I admire them so much is at first it started with these people who are really passionate about generative art and doing it on chain. But then... They started pulling in artists, all sorts of traditional artists from many different places who saw what they were doing and said, I want to be a part of that. You guys are doing something really interesting. And so anyway, that that's my number one hope is I want us to be able to create that kind of community and project so we can get way more people involved with this creation. And again, it's still totally fine. If you want to put in your ape and never show up except for to collect royalties, that's cool. But I do think like enabling all this extra stuff is going to create and really show off the power of the blockchain and to your point, like new use cases that people haven't thought about. Yeah, I really that direction that you guys are heading to. And I think it's very Web3 native, which I'm very surprised to see from you, Justin, as a very successful Web2 entrepreneur that having such like Web3 mindset. And when I first talked to you, I was just super impressed. Let's ask about the entrepreneurship questions. Entrepreneurship is really hard and we're still very early and have so much like uncertainty in the Web3. So what motivates you to start over again? Although that you did an amazing job in the Web2 and you already earned the gold and why are you here again? 
<laughs> well, look, it, because for me, and I know this isn't true for everybody, but being involved with something meaningful is what makes me happy and excited to get up and do something cool every day. And so like when you get a chance to do that once, it doesn't make you not want to do it again. If that's your motivation, you want to do it again and again. Uh, but the bar goes up on what is meaningful and what is cool, right? And being able to help reinvent games business model for the last 10 or 15 years, that's a pretty big one. But now being able to redefine how media is created with this new technology, that's maybe even a bigger deal. So I, I don't know. I got interested in it. I got very excited about it. I want to go build it. And ultimately, it's not really about the money. It's what should exist in the world. How could it help more people express themselves, make a living? How can we take this technology and actually show the real potential of it and not just have it be about hype and trailers, but be about real work and real people making a living? And so I've just been super inspired by what the artists have done over, over the last couple of years and like the opportunity to bring that online for a whole other set of creators that are just as important to us, I think it's huge, right? Of course, it's worth my time to be working on it. And by the way, like, I just, I love the people I'm meeting in the space and everything I'm learning along the way. Like, it's just a ton of fun for me. That's it, right? Like, it's, it's a really big deal. Let's, figuring this out is just going to be a ton of fun and working with new people to do it is even better. Well, you're committed. I see your passion on it. And as how fast that you reply the Telegram text message. <laughs> I'm like, Justin looks like super committed to this industry. <laughs> yeah. So that comes to our last question. What is the legacy that you wanted to leave behind? And what do you want it to be remembered? Yeah, I don't know if it's about me. Like, I don't necessarily need it to be about me. But I just want to, like, keep moving the ball forward. Being a part of something is just even a small part of something as big as being able to help do that with games. I want to see more of that happen. And we were born during this time where the internet came online and like how the hell lucky are we to be able right. a huge part of what i was able to do with games was the fact that i was born around the right time to be the right age and to have the right level of curiosity and exposure to social networks to be able to understand them and see this thing that maybe a lot of people didn't see at the time and now i'm seeing blockchain and like i just want to stay keep beginner's mind and the idea with beginner's mind is you can look at something without being stuck in an old way of seeing it. And you pick up a lot of real skills when you have time working on things, but then you also pick up a lot of habits and some of them are great and some of them, they won't serve you when you're in a new situation. And so the trick is like, how do you keep a fresh perspective on everything? And for me, if I could just, it's less about legacy, like really happy with the things I've been able to be a part of. Working with great people always solves for everything. And if I can be a part of something again, that basically helps all these other people create a new sort of future for themselves. That's this opportunity that only exists because we were here when the blockchain was new and where that white space existed. And you know what, if I didn't build it in the team that I worked with, if I didn't help organize them to put them together and build this, maybe it would just happen again in a few years, right? right? Maybe it's not me. And so I don't have the ego to believe that I'm the only reason that this will exist if we succeed. I think maybe art blocks would succeed if they didn't build it, maybe somebody else would build it in two or three years and they would figure it out. And so for me, it's like we've got this shot, the pieces are here. Somebody's got to go build it. And maybe sometimes nobody will build it. And maybe sometimes it'll be somebody else. But I just get excited about the fact that we even have the opportunity, right? So I just want to go and do it. Uh, that's to me, like the most important thing is just moving the ball forward, right? Like it's something that we all benefit from and we all get to the, a better future faster when we keep moving it forward. Wow. We're so lucky to have you, Justin. 
And I'm really glad to get to know you and have you on this podcast. So I want to thank you, Justin, for taking the time to share your insight and experience with us today. And it's truly like enlightening to hear about of like evolution of game industries and the potential of Web three storytelling. I would like to. Remind all our listeners to check out the Storyverse and also follow Justin on Twitter and other social media as well for the updates. I wouldn't be a true Web three native founder if I didn't take a quick moment to make、uh, to take a shilling opportunity at the end. So I'm going to go for it. Basically, we so of course we have this Board Apes character pass mint going. It's free, and if you're listening to this, I know you might be a Board Apes holder. So go grab one, get your character inside of the Storyverse, and. If you don't want to ever be involved with any content creation, that's fine. If to you you're like, I've been waiting for a year and a half to to go and be able to create this type of content and work with people who want to, then maybe you're excited and this is your chance to go and create the next Spider-Man. I think that's going to happen too. So it's for everybody. And then I'll say, if you're just really excited about collecting stories, something we haven't told everybody yet. I'll drop a little bit of alpha on this podcast because it's all family here. We have Founders Pass, and this is our Genesis collection. And basically, Founders Pass holders are going to get first access to these story collections. And so, if you're thinking like, okay, this is a real new category, this is like generative art, and I want to have early exposure to it in these mints,、uh, we haven't really started telling everybody this broadly yet. But that is going to be the NFT that you want to hold if you want to have first access to these drops. I'll just leave it there. I know maybe not everybody wants to do that yet, but that's definitely something where. If you're very excited about what all this means, and the, there's no collectible stories yet, they're coming very soon, maybe next month. That's the place to probably go check out those NFTs now. If you're excited about、um, being first to know, yes, please check it out. So thank you for listening, and we'll be back for more exciting guests and topics in our next episode of 100 How Ones. And、I、really appreciate your time, Justin. Thanks for coming, and cheers for the future. Yeah, thanks, Vera. We on a boat, no lonely island. Watch out, 'cause the whales and the sharks are silent. Yeah, Machi, big bro, chase gold like a pirate. You better list high, or you finna get snatched. We out here in these virtual streets, running wild. All my dogs are unleashed. It's the Board Ape Yacht Club.